Hi, welcome to the Refuge House broadcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact the world for Christ. So here's what you need to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. Thank you. Open your mouth and bless the name of the Lord. He's worthy of our praise. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Give him praise. Thank him for another opportunity to know him. Thank him. Thank him. You guys, you've been doing this before service. I've told you guys. Thank him. Open your mouth and bless the name of the Lord. Give him praise. Are you prepared to hear him this morning? Because if you're not, you're not going to receive anything. Are you prepared to receive from him this morning? Are you prepared? The Bible says, surely there is an end, but the expectation of the righteous will not be cut off. What is your heart expectation this morning? What are you prepared to hear or receive from him? Or you just came with a blank mind? I want to hear him this morning. The scripture says that I may know him. I want to grow in my knowledge of him and his grace for my life. That's what the scripture says should inform my expectation. Are you here to know him? Or are just you here to attend church for religious purposes of just showing up? Because if you are here to know him, then you are here to change. You are here to be transformed. You are here to experience Him. Prepare your heart this morning. Prepare your mind this morning. Set your mind on Him this morning. Set your mind on Him this morning. The Bible says in Psalm, I have set the Lord before me. I will not be moved. What have you set before you? Have you set to know Him? You said to know him. Father, we worship you. Glory be to God in the highest. Amen. Glory be to God in the highest. Amen. For his mercies Time, everybody.
Precious Father, we thank you this morning. Your word says how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. First like the dew upon Mount Hermon and the oil that flows from the head through the bears down the skirt of Aaron. For there you command your blessing. We acknowledge the fact that we are blessed in Christ. And we're here for that blessing to speak over our lives. Through the ministry of the word and the demonstration of the spirit. I pray you illuminate our heart today. You grant unto us as we have prayed the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let the eyes of our understanding be illuminated so we can know and continue to know what is the hope of your calling. What is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saint? And what is the exceeding greatness of your power that you have made available to us in Christ? Let the name of the Lord be glorified. Let yokes be destroyed. Let burdens be lifted up. And let Jesus be revealed and glorified. And all of God's saints shout a big amen. Please have your seat. You're welcome. Some quick announcements. Um, next Sunday is our combined Thanksgiving and ministry to the Lord service. And I want you to prepare because after next Sunday, trust me, the way you look at Thanksgiving will change. Because for, for some of us, where we all come from, you know, we came from Bagari, say harvest. Once you think of harvest, you're thinking that's the day in church where they cook rice and they drink and they eat. So it's more of celebration for ourselves than fulfilling the true purpose of celebration itself. And for a long time, we've created a tradition that has not really given God that thanksgiving. We've installed some personal roadblocks. Everybody say roadblocks. I didn't hear everybody. If I say everybody, you speak. Say everybody, say roadblock. Road yeah. Some of those roadblocks, not us some, all the roadblocks are our personal tradition that we've put between us and God that is nullifying the word of God in our lives. So we're going to look at removing the roadblock to New Testament expression of worship so we can truly thank God from the depth of our heart. Thanksgiving is very important to God. Ten lepers came to Jesus and he told them, go show yourself to the priest. On their way there, they all got cleansed. One stopped and returned to say thank you. And Jesus asked him, were there not ten of you? How come it's only one? I mean, only one that came. Where is the other nine? He said, how come it's only one that have come to return glory back to God. So when you thank him, you return the glory back to him. But when you don't thank him, you steal it. And if you steal God's glory, trust me, it's not a good move. So we really need to come, understand that, make sure you invite. Don't, don't just be this kind of Christians that from January to December, you don't invite anybody to church. Invite your family, invite your friends, invite your colleagues in the office. Tell them, come and celebrate with me and let them have an experience that will change their life. Say amen. amen. 
All right. And then also, um, I had a meeting with the workers um, last Sunday. By next Sunday, the team that asked to put the schedule should put it ready. Then the outreach department, you're going to do the first presentation after Thanksgiving to all the, you know, all the heads and assistant and myself next Sunday. So, I mean, next Sunday after Thanksgiving. So make sure you prepare for that. And have the schedule I asked that we should do ready before that time. Then your training you're going to give, I told you guys, one page. It has to be ready before Sunday. And you have to circulate it so that we will have a copy of it while you do the training. Praise the Lord. All right. Then also, our Supply Believers Conference is coming up 29th, 30th of this month. The Getimoti had to travel for two days to go out and put up the publication. He's been doing a lot of work. He was supposed to come back yesterday, but as of 9 o'clock, he was still... Um, was still supervising and posting the uh, banners in Sapele. It was that's a lot for him. Praise the Lord. So uh, hopefully we'll be back today. And uh, we're praying. Like I told you, one of the most important things you can do for that meeting is to start praying for it. Start praying for it. Your most important contribution is your prayer first. It shows you are submitted to God. If you don't pray. Every other thing you do doesn't really count. So pray, support it financially, and give towards the meeting. Some of you made pledges last year. Be honorable to redeem them. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How I feel does not regulate my praise. Praise the Lord. I don't have to feel like shouting. I shout because he has instructed me to shout. Somebody say, glory be to God. Be Somebody to God. shout, glory be to God. We walk by faith and not by sight. We don't walk by feeling. We don't walk by what we hear. We don't walk by what we feel. We walk by what he has said. That's how the jaws lives by faith. Say amen. Okay. Um, are you ready for the word of God? We are in the final uh, um, weapon, or what you call armor, of God that has been given to us. But let me quickly share something that puts the whole truth into perspective. On the first of this month, December, I asked the Lord for direction, and he spoke to me. He said, rejoice. And I began to rejoice. I, I was inspired to write a confession of rejoicing. Some of you saw that. And I've been praising God with that confession ever since. Then on the 8th of December, after praying, woke up in the morning. I was just getting up from where I was lying down. And the Lord asked me a question. He said, have I ever failed you? I said, of course, no. Then he said to me, he said, be strong in me and in the power of my might. Be strong in me and in the power of of my mind. When he said that, I began to meditate on it, but I realized that God was bringing my attention to the message that we've been preaching in church. Uh, the series contending prayer, we started preaching that from the beginning of the year, and hopefully by the grace of God, we're rounding and winding that up. It could end, if the Spirit will, this service. 
Putting on the whole armor of God is standing in the Lord and in the power of his might. When God said to me, be strong in me and in the power of his might, he's telling me, take your stand in me and in the power of my might. Say amen. amen. Now, go to Ephesians chapter 6 quickly. I just want to show you something there, then we'll get into the word. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and verse 11. This was the foundation we began teaching on dealing with the wives of the devil by putting on the armor of God. Verse 10. The Bible says, finally, my brethren, talking to me and you, what did he tell us to do? Be strong. Look at your neighbor, say, be strong. Be strong. Look at your neighbor or look at somebody close, say, be strong. Be strong. Say that woman, say, be strong. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. He never said, let the weak say, I am weak. He said, let the weak say, I am strong. He didn't say, let the weak say what I feel or how I feel. Let the weak say, I am strong. Because your strength is in him. Say with me, say, my strength is in him. Your strength is not in you. Your strength is not in your ability. That's why your strength doesn't come from how you feel. Your strength is in the Lord. Tell your neighbor again, say, be strong in him. Say, be strong in him. That word strong means to be strengthened, to be enabled, to be empowered. That's what it means. It says, in the Lord, that word Lord means the one who is supreme in authority. All authority bows to him. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been what? Has been given unto me. So, be strong in the Lord, who is supreme in authority, and in the power of what? Of his, everybody said the power of his might. I didn't hear you. Everybody said the power of his might. Now, there are several translations for power in the Greek, in the New Testament. One of them is exousia, which means authority. Authority is to have legal supremacy over a territory. For instance, the governor of this state has uh, supremacy over River State. He's the chief security officer and is in charge of the state. He was elected for that. The president is in charge of the nation. His authority is higher than the governor. So when the president comes, the governor will have to be a security chief to him because of authority. Jesus has supreme authority over every other authority. Do you understand that? Everything in life has an authority space. Whether it's for good, or it's for evil. But the good news is that Jesus' authority supersedes every other authority. So when he appears on the scene, every authority bows. Somebody say amen. amen. The word, the name of Jesus actually means the authority of Christ. The Greek word for that means the authority of him. The Bible said God has given him a name. That word name means authority. A name that is above every other name that at the name of Jesus every every knee whether it's sickness whether it's disease whether it's poverty 
Every knee must or should bow. And every tongue was what? Was what? Confess or acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Now, the second uh, Greek word for power is what you call dunamis. Dunamis means the explosive or miraculous power of God. That's the ability of God to produce change. That's the word dunamis. That's the power that comes from the Holy Ghost when we got baptized in the Spirit. Jesus told them, go away in Jerusalem, for you shall be baptized or endure with power from what? From high. Then in verse 8, he said, you shall receive dunamis after that the Holy Ghost has what? come upon you. It takes power to manifest. It takes power to effect change. And that power comes from him. It was given to us when we got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Every tongue-talking believer carries dunamis. That's why heaven finds it strange when a believer complains. Heaven finds it strange when a believer worries. Because the power to change what is before you is inside you. Did you hear what I said? You know what Jesus said? Whosoever shall say, what? Unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says will come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So there is a power that backs what you say, when you speak in agreement with the word, it's the dunamis power of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Then the third word for power in the Greek is what is called kratos. Everybody say kratos. That's the one it's referring to here. Be strong in the Lord who is supreme in authority and in the kratos. Everybody say kratos. Of his ability. That word might means the one that enables you from within. Kratos has to do with the ability that enables you to manifest. There is a power inside you that releases your sonship when you understand what the word of God says about you. It's the Kratos of God. So when God says, be strong, he's not talking to your feelings. There are many of us, we are feeling, feeling, feeling Christians. We're kind of, we're always led by how we feel. Always led by how we feel. When we want to pray, if we don't feel like praying, we don't pray. The way we serve God, subject to how we feel, what we hear, the environment, I'm not feeling it. See, it has become almost like a lingo now. I'm not feeling it. What do you mean you're not feeling it? You're not called to feeling. You have been packaged in Christ. And when God did, when, when God saved you, you know what he said? He said, I have reconciled you to myself. And him reconciling you means I have given you what I am. You have the spirit of power, love, and what? And a sound mind. You don't need any feeling. What you carry is bigger than your feeling. As a matter of fact, you are to tell yourself how to feel. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Look at the neighbor and say, you are to tell yourself how you feel. Your body doesn't, should not be the one to tell you how to feel. You are to tell your body how to feel because you have truth with you. Your body can pick up something from outside. It can pick up something from the environment. I want to dominate your body. But you will remember there's a Kratos inside me. I am strong in him 
and in the kratos of his might. And that kratos is what energizes me from the within. Somebody say amen. So when you speak, it will bow because the power to affect who you are and what you carry is inside you. Lift your hand and say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. So when God spoke to me, he said, be strong in me and in the power of my might, he was telling me, stand, take your stand in me. Take your stand in my power. Say with me, say, I take my stand in the Lord. Say it like a soldier. Say, I take my stand in the Lord. Shout and say, I take my stand in the Lord. And in the power of his might. So when anything rises up against you, you will remind them who you are and whose you are. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I am not standing in myself. I am standing in him. Glory be to God. He has made us more than conquerors in him to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Alright, so it says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11, Put on the old armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor. Go to verse 13. Take unto you the whole, whole, whole means complete armor of God that you may be able to withstand or resist or oppose in the evil day and having done all to stand every time you see the expression the evil day what it simply means is that it's that moment that the enemy tries to redefine who you think about yourself through his lies and the situations around you it's called the evil day it will come it will come challenges will come the evil day. It's a, it's a fact that because not everybody know God, not everybody is born again, not everybody's mind is submitted to the will of God, so the evil day will still be with us. But God has made a provision for us in the evil day. Say amen. amen. Yeah. When you start picking up some strange feelings in your body, the enemy is trying to bring the evil day to your health. So what do you do? You resist it. Somebody say resist it. You open your mouth and you curse it. A, a friend of mine sent me a picture. The daughter has one, one kind of reaction in his body. It was very strange. And um, covered her head to her toe. And they went to this one. The doctor said one turn. They said they have to see a dermatology. They were speaking so many English grammar. You know what I said to him? I said, curse it now. Tell it to stop. Are you hearing me? Tell it to stop now. Take your authority and chase this nonsense out of your daughter's life. Speak. Don't let the evil day take your testimony. Did you hear what I said? Because some of you, you, do, you, just, you just sit down. Your, your baby is running temperature. You're like, what is happening now? Oh, my enemy. My, what is my enemy? Open your mouth and say, in the name of Jesus, get out of this place right now. I remember an experience I had when um, we had our first child, Jedediah, was still in the crib. I woke up one night and I was pr just praying in the spirit. Then I picked up something, a presence, I just like, boom, a presence entered the room and went to where the, and I said, hey, hey, hey. I said, listen to me. In the name of Jesus, the same way you entered this room, get out of this place right now. And he did, boom, and he left. Where I, where I got that understanding was what happened to uh, uh, Smith Wigglesworth. 
He was sleeping one day upstairs and he heard some creaking noise like that movement of a chair, rocking chair. So he came down to find out what was happening and the Spirit of God opened his eyes and he saw Satan sitting on the rocking chair. You know, when Satan appears, he wants attention. Is that not true? Yeah, he wants attention. That, that strange feeling in your body is Satan looking for attention. His attention comes with what the Bible calls evil day. Bible said, withstand it, resist, or oppose it. So when he came down and he, oh, he said, it's you. He went back upstairs and slept. Why did he behave that way? Because he understood the authority that he carried in Christ. Say amen. amen. Tell anybody, say, resist the evil day. Say, resist it. The Bible did not tell you to pamper it like some of you do. You can afford to miss church because of one... You know, but the way I woke up, my body was doing... But the next day, you will go to the office and go to work. It just shows how, how, how low your spiritual priorities are. And you are making room for Satan to rob you because every moment you miss hearing God's word, you've been robbed. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, that's what he does. Every moment you miss the word of God, he's trying to rob you. Rob you of truth. Because the more truth you know, the more you manifest. To resist in the evil day. And having done all, to do what? To stand. Tell him, you learn to take your stand in him. Say that. Say, learn to take your stand in him. And in the power of his might. So let me say this. Through putting on the armor of God, we are able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And we said the wiles of the devil are what? Deceptive lies. Is that not true? Deceptive lies. And not only that, we are able to withstand or resist the evil day. Okay, it will come. It will come. The evil day will look for it to creep in. It can come through a domestic circumstance. It can come through something you heard on the television. It can come through something you dreamt about. It can come through any situation or any circumstance. The Bible says when you sense it, because how do you know it's an evil though? It's against the will of God for your life. Once you sense it, the Bible says resist it. Withstand it. Oppose it. And declare you will have no say over me in Jesus' name. It will come. And also... Through putting on the armor of God, after we have overcome the wiles of the devil, resisted the evil day, the Bible says, stand. Tell the number, say, I choose to stand. I didn't hear everybody. I didn't hear everybody. Go to two people, tell them, choose to stand. Go to two people, leave your seat, say, choose to stand. Say, choose to stand. Choose to stand. Choose to stand. Choose to stand. Don't sleep. Choose to stand. Don't sit down. Choose to stand. Choose to stand. Leave your seat. I didn't say this. Get out of your seat. I'm going to meet two people. Choose to stand. Hallelujah. Listen to me. Listen to me. The devil wants you to sleep. You can be seated. He wants you to sleep. And there are too many Christians that are sleeping. To sleep has two implications. There is physical sleep and there is spiritual sleep. 
Let me ask you a question. When you sleep physically, what happens to you? Huh? When you are sleeping physically, what happens? You are inactive. Activity reduces. Is that not so? And also, when you sleep, there are certain things that can happen around you, but you will not be aware. Because you're sleeping. When you're sleeping, your energy level goes down, and your body is resting. So a lot of things can happen around you without you knowing. But when you are awake, you are more alert. Is that not so? There are things you may tolerate when you're sleeping, you will not tolerate when you're awake. When you are spiritually asleep, you are spiritually inactive. It's called a spirit of slumber. You begin to give excuses. You begin to listen to the evil they speak to you, rather than what God has said. Say with me, say, I refuse to sleep. I choose to stand. Say, I choose to stand in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's what we do when we put on the armor of God. When you put on the armor of God, what are you doing? You are standing in the Lord and what? In the power of his might. Glory be to God. That's the only way to resist the wiles of the devil, oppose the evil day, and remain standing. Say glory be to God. All right. Are, are we together? Let's get into the sixth and final armor. Verse 17, I believe. Go to verse 17. Ephesians verse 17. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. I think it's verse 17. All right. Glory be to God. Bradosh ke brahis ke se se ko brehi katalaga badia labregede. Are you there? What does the Bible say? And take the helmet of what? Of salvation. What did we say helmet of salvation is? The hope or our expectation. Is that not so? Ask your neighbor, what is your expectation? Expectation means what you expect. What, what is your mind looking forward to see? To put on the helmet of salvation means I have been saved to obtain salvation in Christ, not wrath. I don't expect that things will go wrong for me today. I expect that the goodness of God will speak for me. Goodness and mercy will follow me today all the days of my life. Are you hearing me? And I will dwell in the house. What am I doing? I'm putting on my helmet. It's a protection. Take unto you the helmet of salvation. We dealt with that last Sunday. And what? The sword of the spirit. Like I advised, make sure you stay for both services so you can get where I'm going. Because I'm going to be teaching what connects everything in the second service. It says, and the sword of the spirit. Everybody said the sword of the spirit. Not sword, sword. Everybody say sword. sword. The sword of the spirit. Say that. What is it? What is it? Which is the word of God? That's what I want you to read. Take unto you the sword of the spirit. Uh huh. Very good. Take the sword of the spirit. Which what? So what is the sword of the spirit? Very good. So the Bible says. Take on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, now, please listen to this. This is very powerful. That, that word sword comes from a Greek word means knife. That's where they got the word makira from, or makira. It means a knife, a short sword that's about two feet long. 
That's what it means. It's usually used by soldiers to fight on close combat. Close combat. Let me add at this point that Amor 1 to Amor 5 are defensive. They are what? They are defensive. They, they help you defend. They help you protect. The sword of the spirit is the only aspect of your armor that you strike with. Did you hear what I said? So you better understand it. You cannot afford to be ignorant. Because if you are ignorant, then you've been taking the strikes of the enemy. Every other thing, the armor of truth with which you protect your mind, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, is that not so? What is the fourth one? The shield of faith, is that not so? Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil and the helmet of salvation, they are all protection. They protect you from strike or assault from the wiles of the devil. This is the only one with which you strike. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? And, and in spiritual warfare, it is very dangerous to only play defense. Even in natural military strategy, the best form of military attack is to attack. If you play defense, you keep taking heat. Even in football, you know that. They are playing World Cup now. It is a bad strategy for a team to be doing defense. Is that not true? Because you will make mistakes somewhere. If they keep hitting you, keep hitting you, and you're defending, and you're, you can't defend for 90 minutes now. Somebody is bound to lose it somewhere or make a mistake somewhere, and they will get an entrance and they'll strike. So when God created the church, when Jesus talked about the birth of the church, he, he, he gave a vision that the church will be an offensive church, a church that is on strike, that is always they are not waiting for Satan to strike, they are the ones striking. What happens to many of you is that you wait for something to go wrong, you wait for something to happen to your finances, you wait for something to happen to your health, you wait for something to happen to your family, you wait for something to be bad before you now react. So, in a sense, it is the devil that determines how you react. Long before I married my wife, or ever knew her, long before I ever thought of having children, I already started speaking about my marriage more than 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I started shooting arrows into the future. I spoke a lot of things about my life, about my health. Some of the things I'm working in, I've been talking, to, I've been saying them for over 30 years. I didn't start them today. I started speaking, declaring, prophesying, proclaiming, saying what, using the sword of the spirit and be sending them on assignment. Because the, the things about some of you in the spirit, you are only defensive mode. There is no assault from you. You're always taking batteries and, and defending. And some of you are not even defending well. So the first five of the armors helps you defend. This is the one that helps you strike. Now, please hear this. This is very important. 
The word sword, I don't want to bore you to too many study details because some of you don't have stamina for that. The word sword, what does it symbolize? Write this down. The word sword is symbolic of the spoken word. Everybody say the spoken word. I didn't hear you. Come on, everybody. When I say everybody, everybody. Say the spoken word. Say the spoken word. What is the spoken word? Words that are spoken or words that are said. I pray that after you hear this, some of you, when we start making confession, you don't say anything. You don't know what you're doing to yourself. Why do we confess the word of God a lot? You will understand why. So the word sword means the spoken, everybody say the spoken word of God. Everybody say the spoken word of God. The sword is not your Bible. It's not the Bible you carry in your hand. They used to teach us some things those days that your Bible is your sword. No, your Bible is not your sword. The sword is when it is spoken from your mouth. If it is not coming out of your mouth, it is not a sword. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what God tells you. Whether from the written scripture or by revelation of the spirit. If it is not coming out of your mouth, it is meaningless to your life and your destiny. Let me show you why I said what you say is a sword. We're going to take an example from Master. Turn to Revelations 1. I'm going to show you three scriptures from the book of Revelation. So that from today you will stop becoming silent. There is no day I wake up I don't speak the word. Because the power is in speaking it. The power is not just in knowing it. The power is in what? Saying it. Are you hearing me? Revelations 1, 16. Then we'll go to Revelations 2, 16. Revelations 19, 15. Revelation 1, 16. Are we there? The Bible talks about Jesus. And he had in his right hand seven stars. Then listen to the next statement. And out of his mouth. Out of where? Out of where? I'm not hearing you. Out of where? Sometimes the spirit could warn you through a dream to start talking. But some of you don't talk. The enemy has deceived you into this kind of silent mode. Say, you know me, personally, I don't like to talk too much. But be, be doing that one. Something will talk over you. I don't, I don't like to talk too much. I don't like to talk too much. I like to mind my business. <laughs> not, in, not, not in spiritual matters. If you're going to be behaving like that, you are already a captive. Because if you don't speak, there are speakings in the spirit that will decide what will happen to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You just got married. You start, you start calling your children one by one. Calling all of them. Calling them. Calling them. If you before if God gives you a vision, the reason God gives you understanding for the word and gives you revelations of the spirit is so that you can say, God says, He said, I say them before they happen. Is that not so? Some of you will just sit and you'll be watching it like television. You won't say anything, you won't do anything, and you are wondering why things are not changing. It's because you are not talking. He says, Out of his mouth went what? A sharp, two-edged sword. When last did you see that word two-edged? Hebrew 4.12. For the word of God is quick or full of life and powerful, sharper than any two 
edged sword. Okay? Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Did you see that? And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Don't fight this kind of person. Thank God we are on his side in Jesus' name. Go to Revelation 2.16. Revelation 2.16. This is very powerful. It says, Revelation 2.16, Repent or change your mind, change your mindset, repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will do what? And will fight against them with what? With the sword of my mouth. What is the sword of the mouth? He's spoken words. So tell your neighbor you fight with what you say. I didn't hear you say it well. Say you fight with what you say. If you are not saying anything, you are not fighting. You fight with what you say. Go to Revelation 19.15. So you understand when the Bible says put on the armor of God. And I look at Christ. They don't say anything. Somebody was talking to me a while ago and was complaining about some medical things that he was going through his health. So I asked him, I said, what do you say concerning your head? He said, uh-huh. Some of you think it's Hollywood, uh-huh. As if you are doing a movie, uh-huh. I said, what are you saying about your health? Uh-huh. Am I supposed to be saying anything? No, not saying anything. Sure you won't die. Uh-huh. Am I supposed to be talking? No, don't talk. There is a speaking over you that is making you not talk. Some of you are too quiet for comfort. You don't talk. Just keep quiet. They will be making confessions in church. Say it. As if they are forcing you to say. Tell your neighbor you fight with what you say. Let me show you how powerful what you say is because we're looking at our master. Revelation 19.15. What did the Bible say about Jesus? And out of his mouth a what? A sharp sword. Watch what the sword does. That with it he should smite the nation. <laughs> Everybody says smite. I, come on, say it now. Come on. I'm teaching you how to talk. You're dragging. Say smite. smite. Smite the nation and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he threaded the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of almighty God. In other words, Jesus says there are two things that the sword of my mouth does. Number one, it strikes. Everybody say it strikes. Strike. Say strike. strike. I didn't hear you. Strike. Shout strike. strike. Shout strike. strike. Shout strike. strike. Tell your neighbor, say with your mouth you strike. Say with your mouth you strike. You're being faced with a need and you're just feeling sorry for yourself. You are, you, are, you are playing a dangerous game. You don't have the luxury for depression. Do you understand that? Depression is when you are refusing to strike. You're not saying anything. You don't have time for frustration. You don't have time to be depressed. You don't have time to be worried. You are wasting life and wasting time. Open your mouth and strike. 
You don't have time to cry. That time you are using to cry, speak. He said, with my words, I will smite the nation. I will strike. Now, that word strike, uh, smite, means to strike. It also means to knock or to have your way or have your say. Then the second word, rule, it's a very powerful word. It means to govern. That word govern means to dominate. Everybody say dominate. dominate. So with your mouth, you strike. And with your mouth, you dominate. Another meaning of the word rule means to feed. Everybody say feed. feed. Come on, say that. Say to feed. feed. That word feed means to tend. That means what you say is what you feed on. You're not saying anything. You're not going to feed on anything. You know the reason why some of the things Jesus said about us is not speaking in your life? Because you're not saying anything. You don't say, you're, 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 you're quiet. That's why a, a, a quiet Christian is an anomaly. It's an aberration. It's, it's on, why should you be quiet? You were created to be noisy for God. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? Rejoice in the Lord. One of the men of religion means be noisy. Good noise, by the way. Rejoice in the Lord and in the past. What, what do you mean quiet? Quiet for what? Quiet how? You are supposed to be on a continuous strike mission. Yeah, you are keeping quiet. I'm waiting for, who, you, waiting for somebody to feel sorry for you. You know, waiting for somebody to, to have pity on you. You know, there are some people they like and I hate pity party. I said to myself years ago, I will never be a sorry story for anybody. I said it years ago, more than 20 years ago, 30 years. I said nothing will happen in my life. Where people will come and, hey, sorry, oh, hey, shy, kai, do, hey, ah, hey, oh, sorry, kai, chai, the devil is bad, oh, no, no, not to me. He can't say that to me, never. It can't happen. It can't happen. There are some film tricks that I can play in some of your life. You can't play it with me because I will not give him that place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I will not what? You know, people say they were sleeping in the night. One thing just came and appeared. I said, let him come and try it. That's where you will die. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I know what I believe and I know what I say. Ask your neighbor, do you know what you're saying? Say, do you know what you're saying? So we strike with our words and we rule with our words. If you are saying nothing, nothing is going to change. You don't have time to feel sorry for yourself. You don't have time to be crying. You don't have it. You don't have time to sit down and begin to feel sorry. No, call those things that be not as though they were. Somebody say amen. amen. Christ administers justice. The, the, there's a two word that, um, that explains the word sword figuratively in the Greek. It's the word judicial administration. What is judicial? Judicial has to do with giving out justice. Justice. Justice or giving out what is due. That's the word justice. Giving out what is due. If somebody commits an offense, it is justice for the person to be punished. Is that not true? Yeah, that, that's justice. Giving out what is due and what is fair. Tell your neighbor you deserve justice. 
Because you know why you deserve joy? Because Jesus, through his finished work, has already called certain things to be in your life. So if they are not, then you deserve justice. And that justice will be implemented with your mouth. Tell your neighbor, say your justice is in your mouth. You didn't say it well. Look at him. Say, your justice is in your mouth. Say to another person, your justice is in your mouth. If you are waiting for somebody to come and help you change, you will not change. Your change begins with what you are saying. If you don't take personal responsibility to begin to save and you are looking for somebody to feel sorry for you, you are looking for somebody to always come to your aid, you will be like that till you go to heaven. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your justice is where? In your mouth. Your justice is in your mouth. Don't, don't wait for anybody. Thank God, I love my father very well. He didn't do some things perfectly. But God did not guarantee me that my father would do it for me. My father has done his own and he has gone. Is that not so? So don't sit down and say, if not because of my papa, you are too late. It's a very stupid excuse. Open your mouth and start talking. The day you got born again, you were born from above. And those that are from above, they talk from above. They're still opening your mouth and still talking about what doesn't even exist. Even though because the way my papa was beating me when I was very small. Even though because my papa didn't teach me about money. Learn it now! How can you be sitting and be talking about something that happened 20 years ago? You are wasting your life. Tell the neighbor, say your justice is in your mouth. Let me tell you this. Nothing will change in your life. Listen, read my lips very well. Nothing will change in your life until your mouth starts changing. Did you hear what I said? Nothing, nothing. It is, the problem is not the economy. The problem is not what is happening. The problem is your mouth. What are you saying? You don't want justice, then shut up. If you don't want justice, then complain. If you want justice, open your mouth, take your stand in Christ, and begin to call those things that be not as though they were. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? The word is only a sword that strikes and rules in our life when spoken with our mouth. Did you hear what I said? The word is only a sword that strikes and rules in our life when spoken with what? With our mouth. I didn't hear you. Do you understand what I said? The word is only a sword, a sharp, two-edged sword that cuts or strikes and governs and rules when you are saying it. So whenever they are doing confession and you are keeping quiet, you know what you are doing? You are accepting the status quo. There must be, at every point in your walk with God, there must be confessions coming out of your mouth that rebel against any status quo that doesn't look like redemption. Are you hearing me? It doesn't matter what anybody says. Between you and God and that situation, there must be words that are cutting it. You will cut and cut and cut until the situation will run away. Did you hear what I said? Did you understand what I'm saying? You keep cutting. You keep cutting, 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 cutting until it will disappear. 
When I was in my final year in university, I picked up a reaction on my head. That was 1997. That thing affected me for a very long time. If you know, I have been confessing and cutting, 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 cutting. At a point, you look as if it's not working, but I kept cutting. Because what you speak is a spiritual affair. It was one day I woke up, they all disappeared. It's not medicine, it's God. As you are cutting, Satan will want you to know that it's not working. So he will intensify the situations around you. But tell the neighbor, say, say, keep cutting. Look, I say, say, keep cutting. Because if you don't strike, nothing will change. Did you hear what I said? Many of you are too comfortable. And I can detect the temperature around you because of the way you talk. You have time. See, that's why when you gossip, you are abusing your power. Do you know how powerful you are in Christ? To gossip is an expensive mistake. Abusing your authority, talking about people, when you should be calling those things that be not as though they were. When you're supposed to be shifting things and changing things with your mouth, you're using your mouth to be talking about people and nonsense. Somebody say, glory be to God. Now, go to about that's another thing you need to notice in um, Ephesians 6, 7. I want to pick up another word. He said, take the sword of the Spirit. Is that not so? Which is what? The Word of God. We've looked at the fact that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And we said the Word of God means the saying or the speaking Word of God. That's why it's called a sword. But, but I want you to look at that expression. Go back to Ephesians 6, 17. You will notice it calls it the sword of the spirit. Everybody say the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit. Say it three times. One more time. Two more times. One more time. When he says the sword of the spirit, what does that tell you? The word spirit, it means the sword comes from the spirit. Is that not so? Yeah. Sword of the spirit. It means the sword comes from what? The spirit. If the sword is the speaking or the spoken word of God, where does it come from? It comes from who? The spirit. Now, the, the Greek word for spirit has three levels of meaning. I'm not going to go into all of them, but just write it down. Every time you see the word spirit, it comes from a Greek word called pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. Say pneuma. As P-N-E-W-N or M-A. Pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. There are three meanings of the word pneuma in the Greek. The first use of the word spirit or pneuma is in reference to a personality because spirits are personality. Beginning with our Heavenly Father, God is the spirit. Is that not true? Actually, the word A was added. In the New King James Version, you see the accurate translation, God is spirit. So God is a spirit personality. Also, the Holy Ghost is also a spirit personality. Is that not true? Yeah. Then man is a spirit entity too. I pray that your spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. So man is a spirit. The devil is also a spirit. Is that not true? His demons are also what? Spirit being. And I told you that the spirit reality is the reality that created the natural reality. Is that not true? 
Alright, so when you hear the word spirit, the first meaning of the word, please pay attention. The first meaning of the word spirit means reference to a personality. So when you read a particular verse in the New Testament especially, you should be able to tell from the context of the verse whether it's talking about a personality. Are you hearing me? Are you, are you following me? Or number two, the word spirit also refers to your mindset. Everybody say my mindset. What is your mindset? How you think? The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, it says be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So your mind can also be referred to as spirit because you don't see what you think. You don't see thoughts in a sense. You just know. All right? So your mind is also a spirit. If they, they tear your body open, they can't see your mind. Your mind is spiritual. So sometimes the word spirit is used to depict your mind or your mindset. Then number three, the word spirit can also be used to display influence. Everybody say influence. influence. That means the operating influence. There are spirit influence. There are demonic influence. Are you hearing me? And there is a gift of the spirit that enables us to detect which spiritual influence is operating at a particular time. Because not all spiritual influences are from God. Are you hearing me? Hey, are you here? Not all spiritual words, influences are from God. The Holy Ghost has to guide you. Remember when Paul went to preach in a place and a girl who was possessed was saying, these are the servants of God that has come to show us the way of salvation. Now, factually, was that true? Yes. But was that from God? No. Because Satan can also give a fake word of knowledge. If you are not led by the Spirit, you could get carried away. Because that's what the Bible calls familiar spirit. They know details about you. They follow the people. So they know some information about you. And so if you are not led by the Spirit, you just, because somebody just tells you some personal, intimate details about you, and you think it's from God. No, no, no. Not all are from God. So we said the word Spirit are used for three uh, applications. Personality, mindset, and word influence. Bible talks about the manifestation of the Spirit. Alright? But in Ephesians 6, 17, the word Spirit is used in reference to a person. And that person is who? The Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. So when the Bible says the sword of the Spirit, it's talking about the sword of the Holy Spirit. Say a good amen. amen. Are you still with me? The sword of who? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Ghost is the one in focus. Remember when Jesus was on earth, he said that the Holy Spirit will be sent as the comforter to the believer. I like the New King James translation of the word comforter. Translates it as helper. Because the word comforter is from the Greek word alos parakletos, means another of the same kind. I'm going to send you an helper that will help you. Let me read three scriptures about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You can write them down. Hallelujah. Are you still here? John 14, 26. John 15, 26. And John 16 and verse 13. This theory scripture talks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit's help to the believer. John 14, 26 says, but the helper, I'm reading from New King James Version, but the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things 
and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So how is the Holy Ghost going to help the believer? He will teach the believer all things. And one of the things he will teach you is how to talk. Somebody say how to talk. That's why it's called the sword of the spirit. The Holy Ghost will teach you what to say and how to say. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's called the sword of the spirit. As long as the sword is from him, when you say it, it will deliver power. But if the sword is not from him, when you say it, it will deliver nothing. Did you hear what I said? John 15, verse 26. But when, I'm reading from New King James again, John 15, 26. But when the helper comes, and tell your neighbor, say, he has come. Whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. The word testify means he will talk about me. He will bear witness to me. And also, final scripture on that, John 16, 13. It says, when he, New King James again, when he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Ghost is called the spirit of truth. And who's that truth? Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he's called the spirit of truth or the spirit of Jesus. The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. Everybody say all truth. One of the truth he will guide you is the truth of speaking the word of God always. Speaking the word of God always. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. Verse 14. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Somebody say, hallelujah. hallelujah. Come on. Say, hallelujah. hallelujah. So when, when we say the sword of the Spirit, what we're simply saying that every word the Holy Spirit inspires the believer to speak will always be scriptural, and will always testify of Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So the sword of the Spirit means all the sayings or the spoken word, the Holy Ghost will lead you or guide you to say will always be scriptural and will agree with the testimony of Christ and what he has done. Say, I hear you. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying this morning? Hear me, hear me, and hear me very well. The Holy Ghost is the one that gives us what to say. If you read Acts chapter 2 verse 4, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible said, they began to speak with other tongue as the Spirit gave them utterance. What is utterance? What to say. What to say. What to say. Everybody say, what to say. Now please hear me. The Holy Spirit helps the believer by supplying the appropriate speaking or saying words to speak. His job is to supply the words. And where does he supply them from? Everybody say your Bible. Say the scriptures. Say the scriptures and the revelation of the Spirit. So what we say comes from where? Scriptures and the revelation of the Spirit. Hear me. The power 
in what God has said is only released when you say it. Did you hear what I said? I don't think so, all of you heard. None, none of all of you heard. Let me repeat it one more time. The power in what God has said is only released when you say it. If you don't say it or keep saying it, that power will not speak. The key to note about this armor of the sword of the spirit is speaking the word. Speaking the word. Speaking the word. Speaking the word. What many of us say is that we're always speaking our frustration. We're always speaking our inabilities and inadequacies. We're always speaking the situation, speaking the condition. We're not speaking what we believe. The enemy has conned some of us through his wires to believe that we're being realistic when we call things the way they are. No, that's not being real. That's being foolish. You're not being realistic by calling things the way they are. You call the things which be not as though they are. Not the things that are as they are, but the things that be not. Why? What are the things that be not? What God has said. It hasn't appeared in your life yet. But if it's going to appear, you have to, you have to say it. You want health to appear? Say it. You want prosperity to speak? Say it. You want peace to reign? Say it. You want provisions to come? You say it. If you are saying nothing, you're not going to get anything. Because in the spirit, you fight with what you say. You receive with what you say. You give with what you say. If your saying is out of alignment, your labor will be frustrated. Because in the spirit realm, your words are of a higher rank than your labor or your effort. When the spirit quickens or activates what to say from the word, we must say it otherwise the power will not be released. That's always something that when they're making confession, some of you are, are absent-minded. You don't even say anything. You don't know what you're doing. The written word of God is inspired by the spirit of God. Is that not so? All scriptures are given by what? Inspiration of God. So speaking the word is powerful. The power is in saying it. Not just reading it. Not just meditating, but declaring what the Lord has said. He said, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What are you saying? If you are struggling with anything, it's because you've not built enough word power with your mouth in that area of your life. That's why you're struggling with that thing. Keep saying it. Are you hearing me? If, if the situation will change, your mouth is the key to that change. If the circumstance will change, your mouth is the key to that change. Are you hearing me? Until you tell the mountain to go, it will stay around you. Am I making any sense? Did you hear what I said? The scripture, the spirit of God, sorry, the spirit of God will help us by illuminating our understanding of scripture so that we will know what we ought to say. That's when situations happen, you don't start saying the things. You say what God, God's word says. 
What will God have you say? That should be your motivation. Don't be under pressure. That's why when, when things go wrong, there is this pressure to begin to say what has gone wrong. There is this pressure to begin. To complain means to say what has gone wrong. That's why complaining is yielding to the deceptive pressure of Satan to gain the advantage over you. That, that complaint is you selling out. Selling out your advantage to Satan in that situation. The moment you complain about the situation, you have sold your advantage over that situation to Satan. You have submitted to his manipulation by your complaint. That's what the Bible says. Do all things without complaining and argument. I've told you, there's nothing like that in there. Anything you want to go and do, that's not a faith person. You look at it and say, Father, thank you. Even if you're going to give the list to your husband. Lord, I call these things forth in the name of Jesus. I call it forth by the power of the Holy Spirit. But, but there's this internal propensity to complain. Sometimes we think we're doing him or doing her. You are doing yourself. Look at them and say, call those things that be not. Say it with authority. As though they are. Oh, this house, we're going to build this in Jesus' name. Oh, this thing, we're going to have it in the name of Jesus. You begin to declare it. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Listen, let me round up with this. To always access spirit-energized word. Everybody says spirit-energized. You know what it means to energize something? It means to quicken it, to activate it. Like, for instance, your switch has access to electric power. Is that not true? That lights up the bulb. So the electricity to light up the bulb is there. Now, if you don't put the switch in an on position with the power supply, so what do you do? The switch is where? your mouth. You turn on the flow of power with what you say. You want the bulb to light in your life. What do you do? Put on the switch. What is the switch? What you say. Open your mouth and speak. Am I making any sense? Now, to always access spirit energized words, we are required by scripture to always stay filled with the Holy Ghost. Everybody say filled with the Holy Ghost. It doesn't mean to be baptized with the Holy Ghost again. No, it means to stay filled with him. Still dominated by the Spirit. Stayed controlled by the Spirit. Stay under the influence of the Spirit. And how do we stay filled with the Holy Ghost? Write this down. I've already taught you this. So I'm not going to go into that. How do we stay filled with the Holy Ghost? Number one, tell the number, say, regularly praying in tongues. Say it loud. I say, regularly praying in tongues. I want to ask you a question. How regular and how long do you pray in tongue? Some of you, the complaint you complain with that your mouth is more than the time you pray in tongue. That's why you prophesy complaint more than what God says. Because you're always filled with complaint, not filled with the Spirit. How do you pray in the Holy Ghost? Have you ever prayed in tongue for more than 10 minutes before? Have you ever prayed in tongue for more than 10, one hour before, two hours, three hours, four hours? Five hours, six hours? The highest I've gone is nine hours. 
praying in tongues non-stop. You want to be filled with the Spirit? The word filled means to be under the influence of the Spirit. I can tell what influence, listen to me brothers and sisters, I can tell what influence in your life by what you see. Let me ask you a question. How do you know a drunkard is drunk? How do you know? Huh? What he says. Come on, come here. And you are there. Go away. His words are scattered. Why? Because he's under the influence. The influence takes over his mouth. He has yielded to alcohol. And that alcohol has taken over his mouth. So, and because alcohol was not designed by God to run your mouth, it will talk nonsense. Anything not originally designed to run your life will spoil your life. That's why when you complain, you will spoil your life. Listen to me, everybody. It is not about what you are going through. It's about what you are complaining. If you complain, you have yielded the advantage over what you're going through to Satan. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Are you hearing me? Children, youth, married people, listen to me. It is not what is happening to you. It is what you are saying that is happening to you. Did you hear what I said? It is not what is happening to you. Because what is happening to you is a proposal that is being spoken by the enemy. It only starts happening to you when you now start saying it. That's what complaint is. Complaint means I am submitting to what the enemy is throwing at me. Are you, are you listening to what I'm saying? That's where we miss it. So if you want to be filled with speaking spirit life words or spirit activated words, pray in the spirit. If you pray in tongue regularly, you will be speaking scriptures. When this happens, the word will come out of your mouth and you will begin to call the things that God has said instead of calling the things that you see. Number two, if you're going to be still filled with the spirit, you must be a regular hearer of the word. So if you are missing Bible study, it tells me a lot about your spiritual priorities. Always have an excuse. Some of you, you've not been in Bible study for a very long time. And I'm sure when they ask you, you have your excuse well laid out. And it's very good. It's very legitimate. It's very, it's very serious. It's because of this, because of that. The office, one thing. The office, one thing. Your office will not always be there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Not be, I'm not prophesying negative to you. But when you tie your spiritual survivor to certain realities and you don't fight as if there is no stake over your life, you're playing games. If you are not a regular hearer of the word, you will not speak life. Because you are meant to be taught as a Christian. It is, I, I saw a statement which is highly true. Listen to me, everybody. Do you know it's actually wrong to say read the bible for yourself is actually wrong you are meant to be taught what did i say tell number say you are meant to be taught the people that come up with heresies are those who say read the bible for yourself we read the bible but we read it under instruction galatians uh, chapter 2 he said in verse 5 that as you have received christ then also so walk ye in him rooted and granted in him and abounding with thanksgiving 
even as you are taught. So if you are not a regular listener or hearer, your words will be dark. Number three, regular study of the word. You take what notes, do you study them? Or do you just write them for fun? Some of you don't write. And I'm looking at you. You're not doing me, you're doing yourself. Nobody has a magnetic brain. I have notes. When, when the person preaches, like when Benga was preaching, I had what notes, how to write. I sat down one day, somebody took a picture. Adeboye was sitting on the row. Bishop Oyedekbo was sitting there. All those great fathers of faith, Polynesia and all of them, the, somebody was preaching, they were writing and taking notes. Then who are you? They were writing. They, when they come for a meeting and they're not the ones speaking, they carry a note, they carry a biro or a diary, and they write. These are fathers in the faith. There's one pride about our generation, and I pray it doesn't get you. That pride of thinking you know. So you'll be someone who studies then and meditating on the word. If you have time to worry, you have time to meditate. What did I say? You have time to what? To meditate. So to always access spirit energized words, what do you do? You have to what? Spend time. Stay filled with the spirit. Filled with the spirit through speaking in tongue, regular praying in tongue, regular hearing, study, and meditating on the word. This is giving your attention to the word. The reason you complain is because you negotiate your attention to the word. You give more of your attention to your worries than what God's word says. And if you give more attention to your worries, it will come out of your mouth. How can I tell the influence at work in your life? By what you say. What you say is a revelation of the influence working in your life. If it's fear, it will come out of your mouth. If it's anxiety, it will come out of your mouth. And whatever comes out of your mouth is what you are filled with. And what you are filled with is what you give attention to. If all you do is watch movie, you'll be quoting what the people are saying inside the movie. That's all you will say. It is what you spend time with that you're filled with. And what you're filled with will speak through you. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you expose yourself to will determine what comes out of your mouth. Rise up on your feet. Hallelujah. Tell everybody, say, take the sword of the Spirit. Come on, say, take the sword of the Spirit. Say, take the sword of the Spirit. Glory be to God. Open your mouth and begin to talk to him. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.